Hope in Christ fellowship is today still a full-blown reality. Amen? Amen. Yeah, give God a hand clap of praise. I don't know who that young man was that uh, in that video there, but he, he resembled me a little bit, didn't he? Seven years ago, God allowed a dream to become reality. Take just a moment and look around the room. Just, just gaze around the room this morning, folks, and look at what God has done in seven years' time. Let's give him a hand clap of praise this morning. Amen. Amen. Uh, it will probably be in heaven when we truly get the final report, but to God be the glory for all things, let me say that. But we'll probably be in glory before we realize what good God has truly done through this little congregation in the past seven years. I know many folks here today uh, have been saved and baptized because Hope in Christ Fellowship is faithful to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, here's what I want to start out today by saying to you. It always has been. You know where I'm going with this. It always has been. If I have a spell, y'all just wait on me. It is today, and it forever will be. Help me out. All about Jesus. Here's what I learned a long time ago. If you keep the main thing, the main thing, the main thing will take care of business. Amen? And this morning, Jesus is the main thing. Who is Jesus? Well, Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. The name Jesus itself means anointed Messiah. Do you know Jesus Christ this morning as the anointed Messiah? Shout amen. amen. Jesus Christ. Christ, the anointed Messiah. Jesus, God is salvation. Born 2,000 years ago in a manger. Born of the Virgin Mary. The promised Messiah from the beginning of time. Genesis chapter 3. God provided a way to make an escape from sin and the forgiveness of sin through the Deliverer, who would be the Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. For God so loved the world. Did you know today God loves you? On the count of three, say, God loves me. I want you to be confirmed to that this morning. On the count of three, God loves me. One, two, three. Amen. Amen. And He does. He, he desperately loves you. He fanatically loves you. He loves you unconditionally. Jesus Christ was born to a little peasant family, probably a teenage mother and a little bit older father. They were very poor people, very lowly people. He had brothers and sisters. The first 30 years of his life we know very little about other than he got separated from his parents at age 12 and they found him. And he looked at him and said, I'm not being disobedient, mom and dad. I've just got to be about my father's business. 30 years into his life, he began a ministry. He met John the Baptist at the riverside and was baptized by John the Baptist. And he was the promised Messiah and able for, and in order for God to confirm who Jesus is and who Jesus was then, as he came up out of the water, as John the Baptist baptized him, as he came up out of the water, the Bible says the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove. And the voice of God said, This is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. 
Why did he come? He, he come to find you. He came to find you because he loves you. Because you and I were born into this world dead in our trespasses and sins. And we was on the fast track to a place called hell. But because God loved you and because God loved me, He sent His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in Him shall never perish. Say never. You can do better than that. Say never. Never perish, but have everlasting life. That is the hope that we have this morning in the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? He spent about three years in ministry, and he absolutely revolutionized the world in three short years. He was opposed all along the way. He fought many battles, but he fought the battles in love and determination, and he bore his cross up to Calvary's hill, and he hung there on the cross of Calvary, and he shed his blood for you, and he shed his blood for me that we could be forgiven of our sins and have everlasting life. That is the hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. More books have been written about him. More paintings have been painted about him. More songs have been written and sung about him and to him than any other person that ever lived on planet Earth. We actually measure time by the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. B.C., before Christ, A.D., Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. The impact Jesus made in this world was so huge that it split time in half, and now time is measured before He was ever born and after He was ever born. Jesus is a big deal. Can I get an amen? Christmas is the biggest holiday on the planet. Every year, listen, billions, say billions, I didn't make a mistake. Billions. I Googled it last night, so I know it's a fact. 2.4 billion Christians on planet Earth today. Jesus is a big deal. Aren't you glad to be counted in a number such as 2.4 billion worshipers of the Lord Jesus Christ on the planet today? And today, millions and millions and millions are gathered in houses of worship making much of... Because it's all about, yes it is, yes it is. Other religions, other religions celebrate the headquarters where their God, where their Savior died. Christianity doesn't have such a place. You know why? Because our Savior died, but our Savior was resurrected, and now we celebrate Jesus sitting on His throne in heaven. Amen? We don't celebrate a place, we celebrate the head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's give him praise this morning, church. Come on now. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. When you consider, I want you to stop and think about this for just a minute. When you stop and consider all that we, we as Christians that is, when you stop and begin to think about everything that we have gained in comparison So what we've given Him. So an exchange took place when you were saved, when you was born again. You 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 gave God your sins. You, You gave God all of your garbage. You gave God yourself. In exchange for that, what did Jesus give you? Salvation. 
I mean, the list is so long, we would be here all day long if we went down the list of all the blessings that we have acquired in the Lord Jesus Christ. We exchanged eternal death for eternal life. Somebody ought to shout amen right there. We exchanged sadness for satisfaction. Aren't you satisfied with Him this morning? More than words can say. We exchanged damnation for deliverance, did we not? We exchanged judgment for... For joy. Now on the count of three, you got to say it with me this morning. Jesus equals joy. Amen. Now I want you to say the whole thing on the count of three. One, two, three. Jesus equals joy. We're celebrating joy in July and beyond. God is infusing this place. God is infusing our hearts with joy. How many of you all honestly and truly have more joy in your life today than you did three weeks ago when we started this series. Let me see your hand. Have you been working on it? Well, I was going to be short-winded today, but we got to infuse some joy. We got to infuse some joy. Let me ask you one more time. How many of y'all have more joy today than you did three weeks ago? It's okay to tell a little white lie right now. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Mm-hmm. See how easy it is to get Christians to tell a little white lie? Absolutely, absolutely. You took the bait on that. I'm going to give you three things today and I'm going to be done. We have sung our hearts out this morning. God has blessed our hearts. And uh, I tell you what, you can't make this stuff up. The way God organizes life and church and sermons and songs, it's just amazing. It's just amazing how God puts things together. Let me share with you three things that we have because Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. Uh, Philip, you're going to have to work for me this morning. Number one, Jesus makes selfish people servants. Let me say this. I forgot to mention, as you came in this morning, did you get one of these? On the inside of that is a listening guide. And around here we use listening guides. And I'd like for you to take that out. If you don't have one, raise your hand. We'll get one to you right quick. Who needs a listening guide? All over the house. Raise your hand big and high, big and high. Raise your hand big and high. Also, let me just say this as we uh, enter into this. Also, inside inside your bulletin is a connection card. Look at this when you get your bulletin. If this is your first time, second time here, if you've never filled one of these out, would you pretty please, with sugar on top, fill this out today? and drop this in the offering plate before you leave. Uh, We want to know that you've been here. We want to celebrate that you've been here. Uh, Not only can you put personal information on there, but you can put prayer requests on here. You can tell us how you want to get more involved here at Hope in Christ. If God saves your soul today, would you pretty please put on this card that God saved your soul today? If you need to be baptized, whatever communication you'd like to communicate with us, fill out that connection card and uh, drop that in the offering plate as it goes by at the end of the service. Number one, pull out your listening guide there. Fill in the blank if you don't care. Number one, Jesus makes selfish people servants. Jesus makes selfish people servants. Here's a fact. Jesus has never, ever, ever found someone and left them as they are. Jesus Christ makes new creatures out of you and I. If you're a born-again believer today, God has changed you from the inside out, and it's going to be a continued work until the day we see Him face to face. Jesus is in the changing business. 
You cannot meet Jesus and remain the same. If you truly encounter Jesus, you are a changed person forever and forever and forever. And in our scripture today, as we dive into Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, notice this, how that Jesus makes selfish people servants. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, and there's more encouragement than we can possibly talk about today. If there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love. God so loved the world that he gave us Jesus. Any participation in the Spirit. Now all of this is saying that they are great, great, great amount of encouragement in knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And in Christ, that is who we are and what we are today. If you've been saved and born again, God took your sins away. He forgave you of your sins. He gave you eternal life and he placed you figuratively inside the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how safe and secure you are today. You are in Jesus Christ. Everything Christ is, you are today. Everything Christ possesses, you possess today. You may not know that, but I'm informing you of that today, that right here in this scripture is teaching us that because we are in Jesus Christ today, we can be greatly encouraged. Somebody shout amen. Not only can we be greatly encouraged, we can be greatly comforted. But Brother Steve, do you not understand the world that we're living in today? Have you not watched any news lately? No, I haven't. No, I haven't. I'm not wasting my time on the bad news. I'm spending all my time in the good news. Brother Steve, why do you get up and act foolish like you do? Brother Steve, why are you joyful? Brother Steve, why is there a smile on your face? Brother Steve, why aren't you down and out about 2021 and the culture of 2020 and all that's going on in the world? Because this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. I'm just a sojourner here. I'm just taking a hike on planet Earth until the Lord Jesus calls me home. And in the meantime, I've read the book, and I've read the back of the book. And guess what? We win. We won. Not only do we win, we've already won. Why, do, why can you say we've already won? Because Jesus went to Calvary. They killed him there. They placed him in the tomb. And on the third day, he was gloriously resurrected from the day. And right now, today, he's seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you and I. He is seated there serving you and me. And we are to serve him and serve one another. So yes, I'm encouraged today. I'm greatly comforted today because I've experienced the love of God and the love of Jesus Christ. Any participation in the Spirit... Well, I wish the Holy Spirit would just grab every one of you all this morning and just wear you out. Just wear you out. Cause you to forget where you're at and what you're doing and just make you act foolish for Jesus for about 10 or 15 minutes. That blessed my heart. Any affection, any sympathy. Paul says, complete my joy. Make me even more joyful than I already am sitting in a jail cell chained to a guard writing this scripture down. They've beat me. They've whipped me. I've gone without food. I've gone without sleep. I'm living in a dungeon chained to a prison guard. My heart is so overjoyed I can't stand myself. And he said, I, you'll complete my joy if you'll just get what I'm telling you is, Paul, is what Paul is saying. And I did owe that this morning in in Christ, comfort in love, partition, uh, participation in the Spirit of God, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy, listen, by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord, 
of one mind. Listen, do nothing. Church, this is what we've been called to. This will bring you joy. Are you listening? This will bring you joy. Don't do anything in life. Don't do anything in life from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, say humility. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. That is a strange teaching to the world. That is a strange teaching in our culture, is it not? But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. You know what I see all throughout this message here, this short passage of Scripture? I see that Paul is telling us that we need to love God supremely. Can I get an amen? And that we need to love our neighbors as much as we love ourselves. And and we cannot be selfish. Pastor Jeremy was unable to be here Wednesday night, and I got the great joy of speaking to the unfinished youth group. And thank you guys for participating and putting up with the old man. Thank you all so much. But the lesson I taught them was this. In an age in which we live and in a culture in which we live, the world teaches us to get, 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 get. Be selfish, be selfish, be selfish. But Jesus says, give, give, give. And the more you give, the more God will give you. And the more you give, the more God will give you. And the more you give, the more God will give you. If you want to be like Jesus today, if you want your joy meter to bust off the scale, if you want your heart and life to be full of joy, be a giver like Jesus. Be a giver like Almighty God. Sadly, we, we, we live in a culture that believes that giving is ridiculous. Am I telling you the truth or am I telling you the truth? Here's what culture teaches us. Get all you can, can all you can get, and sit on the can. That's what our culture teaches us. What we consider normal behavior in our culture is abnormal behavior to the kingdom of God. Our culture is all about I, 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 me, me, me. What do I get out of this? What's best for me? Our culture uses and abuses people instead of loving people and serving people. Folks, listen, this message today is the reason that Hope in Christ Fellowship is celebrating seven years of ministry. I'll say it for the 10 millionth time. The last thing Monterey, Tennessee needed was another church. Can I get an amen? There's a church on every corner and one in between. Monterey did not need another Church, God God put in our hearts and God put in our minds and God put in our beings and he called us to plant a church of people who love God and who love others and who would work tirelessly giving Jesus to everybody that would receive Jesus. We're a doing church. We're a serving church. Why? Because Jesus came to make sinners into servants. Jesus came to make us like him. Jesus came to serve. Look at Matthew chapter 20 and verse 28. The first two words I've capitalized there on purpose. What do those first two words say? 
even as. So what Jesus is saying, be like me. Jesus is saying, Christian, be like me. Disciple, be like me. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to do what? Now, if Jesus left his throne in heaven and came to this earth to serve, and if Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me, then we have been called to do what? We've been called to serve, church. Our culture, would you agree with me today? Our culture is mostly made up of selfish people. God's kingdom is mostly made up of servants who enjoy serving others. Can I get an amen? In Mark chapter 10, verse 45, the Bible tells us that Jesus came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Aren't you thankful for that today? Jesus came to serve. God became a man so that he could experience living in human flesh on planet earth just like us so that in the end he could say, I know where you've been. I know what you've gone through. I know what it's like to walk on planet earth. I know what it's like to be too hot, too cold. I know what it's like to be too full. I know what it's like to be hungry. I know what it's like to be thirsty. I know what it's like to have fun. I know what it's like to be sad. I know what it's like to have friends and family. I know what it's like to be abandoned. And Jesus did what? He continued to serve regardless of his circumstances. Jesus came And he did what was in our best interest at his expense. Because Jesus is a servant. And Jesus calls us to be servants. Let me give you an example here. Jesus wants a relationship with you. That's why he came. Now listen to me, church. It's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful thing to know that when this life is over, we get to be with God in heaven for all of eternity. Isn't that wonderful news? That's wonderful news. Jesus came to redeem us to himself and to his Father so we could spend eternity in heaven. But listen, that's not all. He came that we might have life here on planet Earth and have it abundantly, an abundant, blessed life here and now. And if you're not tapped into that, you don't know what you're missing. And if you want to tap into it, if you want your joy meter to go up today, here's what you need to decide to do. Stop being selfish and become a servant. I have to look in the mirror and say, Steve, you've got to quit being like Steve and you've got to start being like Jesus. Jesus came to make me a servant. Jesus wants a relationship with you. And that's the template of all of our relationships. Jesus came to show us how to love people and how to have a relationship with them. Now, there's basically three categories, three types of relationships. Let's say a husband and wife comes together or two friends are friends or two neighbors are neighbors. Sometimes the makeup comes in three different ways, selfish and selfish. Now, if you've got a husband that's selfish and a wife that's selfish, you know what you've got? You've got a competitive relationship. You've got a mess on your hands. You're always trying to compete, and nobody ever wins. Can I get an amen? But then there's this selfish person, and then there's this servant. Now, let's say these are two friends, maybe two high school friends, two junior high friends. You're a giver and the other friend is a taker. That's a cruel relationship, isn't it? Because you're always giving and you're never getting in return and they're always getting and they're never giving in return. That's a cruel relationship. But what is the best relationship? The best relationship is a servant and a servant. 
always trying to outgive one another, always wanting to serve one another, always wanting to love one another. That's the relationship Jesus wants with us, and that's the relationship Jesus came to die for. He serves us, we serve Him, we serve one another. You know what that will do to you? That will fill your joy tank all the way full. Can I get an amen? Number two, number two. Jesus makes proud people humble people. Jesus makes proud people humble people. Jesus came down to set the example for us that provides opportunities for us to have healthy marriages, healthy families, healthy relationships, and abundant joy. Jesus makes proud people Humble. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. Notice what he says. Something has to change about you in order for you to be a servant and in order for you to lay aside pride and become humble. Paul says this, have this mind among yourselves. You have to have the mind of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, to be like Jesus, you have to know what Jesus knows and you have to think the way Jesus thinks. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Now, when I started this a while ago, I told you when God saved you and redeemed you, he figuratively placed you inside the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? So you're in Christ and Christ is in you. You can think like Jesus if you'll surrender your thinking to the way of his thinking. How do we do that? We have to spend time with Jesus. How do we spend time with Jesus? We spend time with Jesus in His Word, the Bible, with Him in prayer, with the Bible open, with other Christians who rub off on us, hopefully in a good way. Now Jesus, what about Jesus? Who though He was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped. And here's how this all started. God is in heaven. Jesus is in heaven. The Holy Spirit is in heaven. But Jesus decides he needs to execute a rescue plan. And he comes down to planet earth. Now he's God. He's God. He does not have to come to earth. God could have just looked down from his throne and said, that one, that one, that one. He could just pick from heaven. And just said, you're redeemed, and it would have been done. Am I right or am I wrong? He could have done it that way. He's God. But here's what he did. He allowed his son to step off of his throne, be born into a cattle stall, a manger, take on the form of a man to be like us, to know us, to walk among us, to show us that pride is not the way of life, but humility is the way of life. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men like you and me, and being found in human form. Here's what he did. Here's what he did. He humbled himself. If you want your life to be full of joy, you must humble yourself. By taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. 
Now, like I said, in, in Christ, in Jesus, when we possess Jesus and Jesus possesses us, we experience a mindset reset. Say that with me. Mindset reset. That's what he says here in verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Here's what you need to know. Circumstances can humiliate you, but only you can humble you. Now think about that for just a moment. Circumstances can humiliate you, but only you can make the decision to become humble, to follow the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in comparing the culture of this world and the culture of the kingdom of God, Jesus is saying that naturally people honor this world, the people of this world, the lost people, those who are dead in their trespasses and sins, they honor, they value, they pursue pride over Humility. Am I right or am I right? Pride. What is pride? Pride is best seen as self-esteem, self-improvement, self-actualization, self-help. In other words, I can do this all by myself. I don't need you and I certainly do not need God. Pride. I can take care of this my own self. I don't need to pray about it. I can handle this situation. I don't need to seek godly counsel. I can get through life all by myself. I don't need to read the Bible. I don't need to pray. Pride. Because of our sinfulness and because of this fallen world, pride is like gravity. We have to fight it every day of our life. Now, folks, listen. Pride is somewhere we can arrive at. Right? You can, you can be absolutely proud. You know someone. I mean, you've done had three people pop in your mind since I've been talking about this. Problem is, you forgot to look in the mirror. You can arrive at pride. You can be prideful. But if you're the person that says, yeah, Pastor Steve, I know what you're talking about. I used to be a prideful person, but now I'm a humble person. Guess what? You get the trophy today. You're the most prideful person in the bunch. You cannot arrive at humility because it's a constant work in progress. Every day we have to humble ourselves, and tomorrow we humble ourselves, and the next day we humble ourselves. It's something we fight as long as we are in this sinful flesh. Let me just compare a few things here for you. Humility. Let me state this. I've, I've said this to you before. I just want to remind you this morning. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking about yourself less. Now, God never asked you, to think less of yourself. He just said, quit thinking about yourself all the time and start thinking more about God and start thinking more about everybody else. That's humility. Pride is our greatest enemy. Humility is our greatest friend. Pride compares itself to others. Humility compares itself to Jesus Christ and always comes up short. Pride criticizes other people's success. Humility celebrates the success of other people. We talked about this last week. We are not to compete with one another. We are to complete with one another. Christians don't compete with one another. Churches don't compete with one another. Got a call from a wonderful pastor friend this week in Monterey. He said, hey, I to ask you a question. He said, later this fall, I'm thinking about having a parking lot revival. 
And I want to get some churches together to be a part of that. He said, would, would you be interested in that? And I said, well, let me think on it and pray. Yeah. And he chuckled. He said, did you pray about it? And I said, all I needed to. He said, did you think about it? And I said, all I needed to. I said, brother, you know like I know we're called to tell Monterey about the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course we participate in that. Can I get a witness? Huh? We'll be there, won't we? We'll show up. We'll show up. We'll do our part. We are to complete one another, not to compete one another. Pride is all about me. Humility is all about Jesus and others. Pride is about arrogance. Humility is about confidence. Yes, being confident is okay in a, hum- in a humble way. Pride is about arrogance. Humility is about confidence. Pride is about independence. I don't need any help. Humility is all about dependence. I am dependent upon God today for oxygen and my heart beating and everything I am today, I'm totally dependent upon God. Again, pride is a destination. You can get there, but humility is a direction. We're always pursuing humility. We don't become humble by focusing on our pride. We do become humble by focusing on Jesus' humility. Who's the example? Jesus. Who should you strive to be like every day of your life? Jesus. Who's the greatest person in the history of all the world? I love somebody. Amen. Did y'all hear that? Did y'all hear that, church? I said, who is the greatest person? person in the history of the world, and before any of y'all could say it, spit it out, about a four-year-old, I'm a guess, and hollered out, Jesus! Hey, man, you get the first piece of something outside. I don't care what it is. You go to the front of the line. Who's the greatest person in the history of the world? Jesus. Who's the most beloved person in the history of the world? Who's the most humble person in the history of the world? Who should we pursue and model our lives after? Greatness and gratitude comes to those who are humble. 2 Corinthians 5.21 The first three words says so much, does it not? Tell me what those first three words are, church. For our sake. Say for my sake. Yeah, for your sake, for my sake. For our sake, Jesus, God made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin. So that in Him, we might become the righteousness of God. A few weeks ago, a few weeks ago, the first lesson I taught out of the book of Philippians, I told you that I had to correct my thinking and I had to apologize out loud to Marvin. Me and Marvin have this constant debate of whether we're sinners or saints. And he argued we're saints. And I said, well, I know I'm a saint, but I'm a sinner too. No, you ain't a sinner. Quit saying that, preacher. You've been saved. Then I start teaching out Philippians, and Paul said, you're a saint. So I declared to you that you are a saint. Here's further proof. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. I am today in Christ the righteousness of God. And so are you if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ today. 
That makes you a saint. And saints are full of Jesus. And because you're full of Jesus, you're full of what? Amen, you are. Number three. Last point. Y'all couldn't, y'all ain't believing I could do it. Last point. Maybe the most important point. Jesus makes dead people alive. Hope in Christ fellowship exists to share the good news of Jesus Christ with spiritually dead people so that He and He alone can make them spiritually alive people. Now, don't you listen closely. If you're in this room today, if you're listening by internet, by way of Facebook or YouTube, or if you're listening a week from now or a month from now or a year from now, this past weekend service, last Sunday, we had a humdinger. Can you say amen? Wow, God showed up and God showed out through the, through the singing, through the preaching, through the children's ministry. Did the kids not do an awesome job last weekend? Give them a hand. The armor of God, the armor of God. And I heard that in four or five weeks from now, they're going to be doing the Ten Commandments for us, so they're going to do a reprise, okay? So let's be praying for them and encouraging them. Last week, I just went, ahead, I went and checked the stats of it, and as of yesterday, 1,200 people had viewed last week's video. Folks, hope in Christ. God is using hope in Christ in a mighty way. Now, I'm, I'm not proud of that. You shouldn't be proud of that. I'm proud of God. I'm proud of Jesus. I'm proud of the Holy Spirit. Amen? God is using this church locally. God is using this church globally. God is using us. We need to be full of joy. We need to be humble. We need to be full of Jesus. And we need the mind of Christ each and every day that we live. Jesus came to make dead people alive. Philippians 2, 9 through 11. And here's what we know. Jesus left the splendors of heaven and He came to planet earth. But then He went back to heaven to prepare a place for us. And He said, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto Myself that where I am, you will be also. Folks, this is not all there is. The best day is still ahead. If you're born again and saved, your destination for all of eternity is in a place called heaven. And you know what heaven's going to be like? Now, now we've got a little carnival set up. And, and, and I was talking to Tina earlier, and Tina said, as this coming down the road here, the kid said, wow, 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 look over there. Bounce houses and volleyball and Duncan Booth and food and drink and just, wow, what's going on at church today? We're having a party. Why are we having, yeah, we're having a party. You know why we're having a party? Because heaven is going to be an endless celebration forever and forever and forever. And you know who we're going to be celebrating? Notice I didn't say what. You know who we're going to be celebrating forever and forever and forever? Jesus. Jesus. So we need to practice down here. Can I get an amen? Church must be fun. Why? Because Jesus is fun. Jesus is wonderful. Jesus is our Savior. He has saved us from hell. He's forgiven us of our sins. He's given us abundant life. Abundant life is not a boring life. Abundant life is not a quiet life. Abundant life is a party for all of eternity, and we begin practicing now. Amen? That's why we call this joy in July and beyond. And beyond. Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Therefore God has highly exalted Jesus and bestowed upon Him the name that is above every name. It's all about Jesus. 
so that at the name of Jesus, get this, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth. Now, if every knee in heaven and on earth and under earth bows, does that not cover everybody? One day soon, one day soon, every knee that has ever existed is going to bow before the Lord Jesus Christ and confess Him as Lord of all creation. Good news for you, if you're saved and born again, you've already bowed the knee. You'll just do it again, but because you did it here, you'll hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter into heaven for all of eternity. Bad news, if you're here this morning and you're not saved and you've not received Christ as Lord and Savior, if you've not been born again, if you're not in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've not bowed the knee here, you will then, it'll be one day too late. You will bow the knee, you will confess Him as Lord, but you will hear these horrible, horrible, horrible words. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity, I never knew you. And you will be cast into the lake of fire forever and forever. Every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Yes, yes, Jesus came down to earth. But after his sacrificial death, after his temporary burial, after his eternal resurrection, the Scripture says God has highly exalted him, bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now you've got to understand, at the time that this was written, it was in the midst of the Roman Empire. When we hear the word Lord, it doesn't make a lot of sense to us. Only church people kind of get that. But in context of this scripture, Nero was the Lord of all of Rome. And the comparison was this. When Jesus left heaven and came to earth, he became a poor little peasant boy. And Nero was the Lord upon planet earth of that day. But now, Nero has been brought low, and Jesus has been exalted, and now Jesus is Lord forever and forever and forever and forever. Think on that. That was in Jesus' day. Today, today, Jesus is lifted high. And here are the words of Jesus. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men, all women, all boys, all girls unto myself. Church, that is what we've been doing for seven years, and that's what we have to continue doing until the Lord calls us home. We have to continue to lift Jesus up and make much of Jesus because, listen, it's not about you and it's not about me. What is it? It's all about Jesus. And as long as it's all about Jesus, Jesus will accomplish all that Jesus wants to accomplish and we get to watch it. And we get to watch people fall on their knees and confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior to the glory of God and the benefit of them. And we get to celebrate that not only here, but we get to celebrate it forever and forever and forever and forever. 
Let me close with a question this morning. Everybody just pause and take a deep breath. Let me ask you this question. Are you 100% sure today that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? That you have, symbolically or literally, you have bowed your knee before Him here on planet Earth. You've bowed your heart, you've bowed your head. And believing in your heart that He died for your sins, believing in your heart that once He was buried, that three days later God gloriously resurrected Him from the dead. Have you humbled yourself? Have you believed in your heart? Have you confessed with your mouth that Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life? You've done that. Praise God. Praise God. But I bet in a crowd of this size, somebody hasn't. Friend, listen, Jesus came to save you. Well, Pastor Steve, you don't know where I've been and you don't know what I've done. Jesus does. And the Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for our sins. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It also says the wages, the payment, the payday, for being a lost sinner, is eternal death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. God loves you and God wants to save you and forgive you of your sins and give you eternal life today. Here's what you must do. You must believe upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You must confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. You have to repent, turn away from the life that you're living, turn away from this life of sin and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and begin pursuing Him for the rest of your life. And He will supernaturally enable you to do that. You can't do it by yourself. I can't do it by myself. There's no way I can turn over a new leaf and start living a holy, righteous life. I can't do that. It takes being washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. It takes being filled with the precious Holy Spirit after I'm saved and born again. Jesus wants to do that for you today. Here's what I want us to do. Right where you're at, every head bowed, every eye closed. Absolutely no one looking around. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you've never, ever bowed your knee, bowed your heart, bowed your head, believing in your heart that you're a sinner, believing that Jesus died for those sins to forgive those sins, and if you've never believed that God raised Him from the dead, do you believe that right now? If you believe that right now, here's what you need to do. Just whisper this to yourself. Just whisper this softly aloud to God Almighty, to the Lord Jesus Christ right now. Say, Jesus, I receive you as my Lord. Jesus, you are Lord. Here's what the Bible says. Here's not what I say. This is not what the Baptist or the Methodist or the Pentecostal. This is not what no denomination says. This is what the Bible says. For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord, shall be saved. 
this morning, right here today, if you've believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, by the authority of Scripture, God has saved you of your sins. He has filled you with the Holy Spirit of God. He's prepared you to live the rest of this life, an abundant life, an obedient life, and He's preparing a place for you in heaven one day after a while. 